there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea, or maybe a frothy ale. The light, why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Hello and welcome back. I am here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. Emphasis on the podcast part today. Podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I'm overjoyed. Yeah, we recorded a reaction to the finale and it was so late my time. Mm-hmm. Tracy was up pretty late too, but... I think we needed another round to sit down and just talk about the season as a whole. And maybe I think we'll probably pepper a few things from the books in this episode, as we usually as do. As we usually do. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this. There are so many things that I feel like I kind of missed out on or didn't fully appreciate until starting to watch it a second time through and mm-hmm. I almost feel like getting through the first whole season was really helpful too to kind of see like what direction they were taking and then going back and starting to watch it again. I think the main thing coming off of season one that is apparent is they are trying to work in a very large story in a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And other book-to-show adaptations have kind of the the thing on their side where there aren't so many characters, so Mm. many main characters. Mm -hmm. So I think this is one of those things where the Wheel of Time, this is what I believe many of the book readers love about this series because... Mm -hmm. Most people don't just have a favorite character. They Mm -hmm. have favorite major characters, favorite minor characters, favorite characters that might just have a couple of lines here and there, and Mm -hmm. then you never really hear from them again. Favorite dark friends. Yeah. Who's your favorite Forsaken? Who's your favorite dark friend? It's just huge. Huge. And the TV show is such a massive undertaking when you try and think about how much they're trying to cram in at such a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And also, I think the other thing that they are trying to take into consideration is the social climate that the show is being released in, which adds another layer of complexity of book-to-TV adaptation. And by social climate, what do you mean by that exactly? I think that the fact that we have a really diverse cast Mm -hmm. is still kind of a new thing, if you will. We aren't seeing the cast that we were expecting to see. At least I'm not seeing the cast that I would have expected to see had this been an adaptation done in 1990-whatever or even the early 2000s. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, would Ivan and um, 
Oh, God, I always remember, forget the other. Maxim. Maxim. Would they have been casually lounging against each other around a fire with a bunch of other badass warders in the early 2000s even? Would we have seen? Probably not. Yeah, but was it one of the, like, sweetest moments of the series? Definitely. I have friends who, like, are really happy with the queer representation and the touches of poly representation that's been done in the show. And that makes me really happy because those are still things that a lot of society is uncomfortable with or isn't very knowledgeable about. I include myself in that category. And I think to try to take that on is huge. It's huge. And it's definitely gotten backlash from longtime Wheel of Time fans like this isn't my wheel of time kind of thing and i mean i get it to an extent I mean, yeah there's a little bit of backlash about everything yes 100 <laughs> percent. I, mean, I don't think there's anyone out there who is going to say 100 percent everything was perfect yeah maybe no. i don't know maybe there are but maybe perhaps it's a very but small percentage yeah there's so much that they're trying to show us and give us and i applaud it i do too especially with a global pandemic worldwide shortages of supplies that they needed to have and they lost i guess would be one of the words to use here one of the main actors like right as the season was wrapping up. So there was a lot that they had to kind of battle against that none of them were really prepared for. Absolutely. I'm just thinking about the sets in particular. Mm -hmm. We moved last year, well, this year, but it's almost last year. Right. When trying to get new furniture, wood, just random things, get Mm -hmm. contractors to come out Mm -hmm. and work. Mm-hmm. It took six months longer yep. than it was supposed to because of the pandemic, because of shortages. Mm-hmm. Supplies just, they say, oh, it'll come. We're not sure, but we can guess maybe four to eight months. Oof. And so it's just like little things like that. When I mm-hmm. think about like my own little personal bubble of right. space. Yeah. And when I think about what they had to go through to mm-hmm. actually create villages or buildings like <laughs> yep. that is amazing mm-hmm. that it even happened mm-hmm. and talking to Catherine about fabric and stuff mm-hmm. on our costumes episode on youtube you really wonder too well how much of this is shown through mm-hmm. the costumes even mm-hmm. yeah or like how full a set is Like, should there have been more people here or was this pulled back? Like, I remember when we were... Scale. Yeah, when we were... There's that scene where Rand and Nynaeve are talking in the inn. And it feels so empty. empty. It's an inn. There should have at least been, like, ambiance noise or something or, like, a serving woman passing back and forth. And I think you pointed out that, like... There was maybe. no one. Yeah, maybe COVID is a reason why they don't have, like, why they're not sitting in the common room of right. an inn. 
because right, right now you can't sit in a common room anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> right. Make believe or real. And I believe too with interviews and things like that. Episode eight, they had actors, the same actors that played all of the Trollocs mm. and Shadow Spawn for episode one, the big battle in Emmons Field, or should I call it a massacre? It wasn't really the battle. It was a slaughter. Damn. Damn. (laughs) Yeah. They couldn't have all of those people on set, I believe. So they had to CGI it, like all of it. Yeah. And how much money, how much of the budget Mm -hmm. went to that alone. Mm -hmm. Which is why it may feel a little rougher than I think it was probably intended to. You know, like there that. Were, go ahead. There were there were still some great CGI oh, moments, though. Yes, like moments that I like. I've been editing our finale video, and the number of times you and I are like, "Yes!" over something is just really fun because we had genuine enthusiasm and excitement for the episode. So I don't want anybody to think that like gonna crap on it or anything but like especially the end trollic <laughs> battle it just i was like expecting more gore expecting more interaction and i'm sure had things not gone the way they would have that would have been a truly epic tv battle moment and wear your masks people <laughs> please. <laughs> please so we can get the wheel of time we deserve <laughs> Do it for us. Do it for the fans. (laughs) Do it it for the wheel of time, everyone. (laughs) I love that. Uh, I will have to say, I think there were some really standout performances in episode eight. I loved Ashamayel. He was great. He had that kind of coy. Charisma. Yeah. Yeah. Where... He doesn't outright say like you're a fool or anything, mm-hmm. but you can you can definitely see that influence pulled in from mm-hmm. how our forsaken are coming from a different era where mm. they are perceive where they're perceiving themselves as much stronger, much more knowledgeable about the world. Like how would you feel if you were a time traveler and you, you went just back thinking that? Yeah. <laughs> Twin brain. <laughs> if you went back 3,000 years ago mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. had to have a conversation with someone and you're like, oh, dear. Right. <laughs> you, you poor child. We're like, so sorry. Boil yeah. your water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just a tip. This is the tiniest thing I can offer you. Boil your water. Tracy's tiny tips. <laughs> It's for the good of everyone. Oh, my gosh. No, yeah, totally. Like, I'm just, I'm thinking about, like, how Ashamael is showing up in these various places and how rustic they appear, especially right. in comparison to that view of the Age of Legends that we get in the opening of Episode 8 that we were both just like, oh, my God, look at this. Yeah. I had another standout character, and that was Padan Fane, Johan Myers. Just, yeah. he's everything that I knew he would be. 
there's just something about this guy. I've seen interviews. I've seen other TV shows that he's done. Mm -hmm. And he just has this type of cool, like, calm swagger about himself. Yeah, he does. Where he's also, too, in interviews, quite humorous. So mm -hmm. he's, he's kind of, like, tricksy, you know? And mm -hmm. I, like, I like how he was kind of shown just in Agelmar's throne room I guess after all the chaos goes down and he's just kind of like chilling yeah. like not a care in the world Point like of yeah Valier on his lap mm. just hanging out yeah and then when he walks away and the fades just follow him yeah yeah that was cool Andrew actually said something about that he was like I can't see Pot and Fane leading away those two fades after being like stuffed in a trollic cook pot for months. And I was like, perhaps this is just like an acceleration of mm -hmm. his character where we just skip past that part and he already has that authority over the trollics and the fades. Who I knows? know I know Rafe Judkins, Mr. Judkins had that <laughs> AMA on Reddit. And one of the questions was about Shatter Logoth and mm. Pot on Fane and Mordeth. Yeah. And they're like, we didn't see anything and I'm disappointed. And Rafe kind of gave his Aes Sedai answer of like, oh, like it didn't, it didn't happen. Okay. You know, like, yeah, maybe hinting at something that I thought perhaps we would see in a flashback. Mm -hmm. still yet to be determined mm -hmm. but who's not to say they bring some of that back i mean mm -hmm. mordath the whole arid hall connection to me is very interesting mm -hmm. so i would really love to get that connection in the tv show whether in or not they do it i think depends on, entirely on how much time they have so mm -hmm. i'm like not getting my hopes up <laughs> right yeah if i remember correctly when they're in shadow lagoth and matt finds the dagger he went in that direction because he saw a shadow right maybe we have to go back and watch it again i think maybe you had mentioned it or someone had mentioned it that like Perhaps the shadow is more depth, and this is like just a little drop of what may come later. If that makes I don't sense. know. I would have to rewatch that part, but I do know that there's like the whistling, mm -hmm. like that's how they that's their signifier for Pot on Fane is whistle. He's a whistler, he's yeah. the Andrew Bird of <laughs> the Wheel of Time. He, it we always reminds. One. We need it always one. reminds me of Negan from that uh, The Walking Dead. I don't know. That was like Negan's thing. Gotcha. Whistling. I don't know. We've we've got baddies whistling. Mm -hmm. It works. Mm -hmm. It works just as well. I would say as having like a character theme song mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I know if I ever hear that Sophie Okonedo, the Swan Sanche theme, mm -hmm. that music, mm -hmm. like I know she's going to walk onto set mm -hmm. somewhere or mm -hmm. we're going to get something that has to do with her. So I think it's just one of those things that are in your subconscious where yeah. your mind clicks and you're like, okay. Yep. 
And the same thing with Tom, right? Like, don't they have, like, guitar strumming or something for him to kind of indicate he's there, he's around or something? I, I would have to listen. I don't, I don't know if Tom has his own theme music, but, you know, like the naive, like, like the raging, like mm-hmm. a raging sun. Mm-hmm. She has her theme. I don't know if that will be continued throughout the season but it's something that they've done with a lot of tv shows Mm -hmm. game of thrones in specific i think everyone on earth at this point knows the different themes from game of thrones just if you've watched maybe one season Mm -hmm. but i think too something that was really interesting that their composer did is they had so many different instrumental songs and then for the one where the sept blows up, where Cersei blows up the sept, mm-hmm. they actually used piano, mm. which they had never done in the entire season. Mm-hmm. And it made it so un- unsettling because mm-hmm. you're hearing an instrument that you've never heard before on the show yeah. in how many seasons. And your mind kind of does this like flip where you like, something's not right here and you can't put your finger on it and it's Mm -hmm. really cool just how they can incorporate music into your mood or your expectations or your feelings absolutely i think the wheel of time has done a really good job of that i agree that's definitely one that i very much agree i think that the the vocalists that they found to do like the female vocalists that they found I really enjoy the way their voices go together. At first, it didn't feel sound quite right, but well, there's I f- multiple. So I mean, there's many different female oh, vocalists. Yeah. Okay, tell me more. Do you know the main theme? One is a different person than some that did others. Okay. I want to do I want to do a music episode, so maybe we should just like save that for like research on that for another time. Because I would really like I've I've enjoyed the music. It's it's different. Like that. I think ahead. it's good, mm-hmm. but there's nothing about it that's really like gotten their like got their hooks in me just yeah. yet. Not even Tom's I mean, song. That wasn't like a orchestrated piece of like music though this was just a guy and a guitar (laughs) so I mean I loved Tom's song I loved Mm -hmm. it I thought it was great I do that's one that I liked again more going back the second time and listening to it I think that's kind of been my my perception of everything is like my second time through has just been better yeah yeah I I needed it for the last episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah I really did I think after watching Brandon Sanderson give his play-by-play on the episode and Rafe Judkins had an interview afterwards where he's explaining a lot of the things that I had questioned that weren't Mm. completely apparent to me just watching the episode Mm -hmm. so it's kind of filled in the gaps for me and then of course to thinking about the pandemic and having to rewrite the last 
basically two episodes due to having a cast member leave, mm-hmm. it 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 fills in the gaps. Mm, <laughs> okay. It's not my favorite episode. I would put it on the far end, you know. Mm-hmm. Number, I think, seven and four really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Four in particular. Four is really good. Well, four had so much action, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I, that's the one that opens with Loghain, right? The Loghain cold open was awesome. Mm-hmm. Then they have, you know, the skirmish in the forest with mm-hmm. his followers. Yep. Then we had a lot of channeling back and forth. So where even when it's just Aes Sedai versus Loghain, you can mm-hmm. see like the intricacy of the weaves and it looked visually like very cool. And it was fun to kind of really see that because up until that point we had only had Moraine channeling mm-hmm. so we only knew like what one person weaves I guess looked like mm-hmm. and then of course ending it off on that big climatic naive healing everyone everyone and you pair it with Alviro Morte just being an absolute beast of an actor and selling it like he sold it it was so good very i think that was a really that was a really fun episode Mm -hmm. i want to commend rosamund pike on her performance when she's been stilled by shamael and we still don't know if she was actually stilled or shielded yeah have there's there's been nothing said about that Brandon Sanderson said, oh, she was stilled. And then he also kind of said some things like laughingly, like maybe he could be possibly leading us in one direction. I think that there is still, I don't think that that's a confirmation. Hmm. I could Hmm. be seeing more into it than there's really there. But when I rewatched it, it doesn't look like the stilling of Loghain. Like when we see the stilling of Loghain, you can see. Mm -hmm. Like that, it almost looks like it pulls it out of him. Right, right. You can see it extracting. Mm -hmm. And when I watched Moraine, it looks like when they were shielding Loghain. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, Ishamael, Age of Legends, Standing Flows, like, did he just, like, tie a knot and walk away? Mm-hmm. And he's just that strong that he can do it? Mm-hmm. Is it possible we didn't actually see what it looks like? Maybe the viewers can't see the true power as opposed to the one power? Mm-hmm. So I'm just not quite sure. Like, I'm not sold yet. I think that it could go either way. I was just going to say there is an example in the book of an Aes Sedai being shielded from the the one power in a way that made it basically impossible for her to get through that shield. So it was almost like being stilled but not because it was still just like right 
right out at of the reach tip of for her. Yeah. And that was it was it one of the Forsaken? It was uh Mogidian. Mogidian did it too. Lyandrin. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then yeah. Lyandrin was captured by the Shanchen. Wild, wild ride for Lyandrin. Well, Mogidian gets captured by him too, so Right. <laughs> Karma, I guess. <laughs> yeah. There's a part in the in the stilling shielding moment where Moraine is leaning over Rand and her hands are just kind of moving almost like she doesn't know what to do with them. And watching that a second time hit me harder than it did the first time because the first time it was still like what just happened? Has she been yeah, shielded? Has she been You were thinking. <laughs> yeah. And so this time, like, knowing that she tells Lan she can't touch the one power at the end had me looking at that scene differently as, like, not something temporary, but something more long-term, if not permanent. So right. it would make sense to do that at the beginning of the season to the person we've seen come in like from the very first episode super powerful totally in control mm-hmm. of herself and now this and what does she do where does she go from here what happens next i think that's a nice twist away from the book it makes me curious to see how the plot lines will go next season mm-hmm. Are we looking at the shield being taken? Okay, if it is a shield, mm-hmm. will the shield be taken out when there's fighting against Ishamael? Mm-hmm. So there, I, I, I only see two options. Either someone gets to Ishamael, does something to him, and it in turn releases the shield, or it's healing of stilling which we don't get until Lord of Chaos, which would be very, it would be a much faster plot line for Mm -hmm. Nynaeve. Mm -hmm. So they could definitely bring in Loghain and Moraine next season and do a healing. Mm -hmm. But I would like to know if Nynaeve was burnt out when she was healed by Egwene, or if she was just almost dead and almost burnt out, like not quite burnt out. I don't know because why if, I didn't even think about that. Because if that's the case, then did Egwene already heal? Stilling? Stilling. Does that mean <laughs> Which- when Moraine comes back, it's a Gwen who heals Moraine? Like, almost immediately. Oh, Moraine, I'm sad. Look at you. Oh, you're healed. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's an interesting thought, though. I don't know why. Like, all I could... Like, when Nynaeve fell and then Egwene revived her, all I could think of was how did Egwene suddenly heal death? What is happening that's really convenient. I I thought Nynaeve was dead, dead, dead. Yeah. <laughs> like we were we were thinking 
like bail fire. Like the only way to kind of like redeem what had happened would be for one of the channelers to just lose it and bail fire everything and then you get like that step bring everyone back, back. and everyone yeah. more or less everyone is fine again like that's mm-hmm. kind of i understand not making everyone fine again but i feel as though in the places where they did make people fine again it just didn't feel quite right and now what I happens think- in shinar if both agalmar and amelisa are dead what happens Neither one were they married. Did they have heirs? Is there a new Lord of Shinar? That might be fun. I don't know. I'm trying to think if that. Maybe we just yeah. Maybe we just don't get any more plot points in Faldara. I mean, we don't. We don't really need to go back there, considering. That's true this whole scene that happens in the great hunt with the Amerlin Swan Sanche won't have to happen. Yeah. So they've already do we need it. Yeah, they've already met. There's no reason not to start the next season with something like three months later or something like that. You know, right, like right. just use what they've used through clever exposition to get everyone caught up as to how everyone is in the places that they are instead of picking everything back up from the end of Faldara. Right. I would prefer that. That would be faster. (laughs) I'm curious to see when we're going to see Min again. I was intrigued by her leaving. Mm -hmm. But I think she's going to show up in Camelin. That's I mean, she I saw what was she saw what was going to happen. She mm-hmm. was like, I mean, she's a smart. She's a smart yeah. gal. I probably would have done the same thing if it were just exactly. me. I'd be like, and we're out. <laughs> yep, this was Toodles. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious to see what Rand's trajectory will look like next season. Mm-hmm. Who is he going to be with? Who is he going to be traveling with? Because are we going to get Celine? Yeah, this in some ways, this almost feels more like leading into book three when Rand's like, yeah, running the dragon solo. reborn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And for him to tell Moraine to tell the rest of everyone else that he's dead, I understand. But I feel as though that raises future complications. I have a hard time seeing Moraine letting him go. This is her life's work. And she's like, okay, see you later. But I think at this point, she wasn't sure what just happened. And mm-hmm. she thought that maybe she had won. Mm-hmm. Like Rand blew up Ishamayel, who she thought was the dark one. Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of kicks rocks and he's out of there. And then she sees <laughs> Lan and she picks up the Queen DR and she's like, you know what this means. It wasn't really the last battle Mm-mm. and cliffhanger. Dun, mm-hmm. dun, dun. So is she going to go after him? Is that where we're going to start out with her hunting again for Rand? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. We could actually have something really fun, too, where she's right on his tail and we get to see all of the weird things that are happening in his wake of Taviran-ness. 
I think it'd be really fun if she went back to Kyrian. Just took up some space there and is mildly reclusive. And that's where her and Rand reconnect is in Kyrian. Where would he go to Kyrian for, though? Oh, I don't know. Book reasons. <laughs> because he has to. Because he needs to. Yeah, I guess it's that doesn't really line up very well. In my head, I'm like, I'll book, book, book. And this is how it could work in with the TV well, I show. Just, but yeah, I, I I'd like to see Kyrian. Yeah. I would like to be sure. there. Well, Andre You're going to get say... Lord Barthanas. Mm -hmm. So Andre said that there's a lot of character development and there are a lot of places that are mm -hmm. going to be present in the second season. And or he hoped. He, oh, he hoped, hoped more places. True. I really, I really hope. One of those places was Kyrian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It would be interesting if they did. We've done Tarvalon at this point. We know Camelon is in the second season. And then if you put Kyrian in, that's three of the major cities in the Westlands that will have been like represented in this show in a visual way. And that might be kind of fun to see how different they might be from each other. Yeah, I could see that. I feel like Kyrian and Camelin would be two really good options. Mm -hmm. I also think as well, we're going to see some more little towns and villages. I I very much appreciated Breenspring, our four kings placeholder yes i think yes. that was one of the more fun looking sets it was Just... so fleshed out yeah. you know it was small but it didn't need mm -hmm. to be big because it's just a, a mining town and it was dirty and gritty and everyone looked like they were angry <laughs> yeah i think we'll get some more of those if we have rand pissing off to who knows where as he like, likes to do yeah i think that it would be fun to get some pairing of our emmons fielders mm. with some of the more some of our more practiced thespians mm, mm -hmm. because matt and tom would work great together very much so the chemistry in the books is amazing, but just as far as the TV show goes, I really like the relationship that they've already set up between Matt and Tom. What, Tracy? You're making a face. <laughs> Are they going to meet up in Tarvalon? It's possible because that's what happened in, in the, the Dragon books. Reborn. Yep. Yeah. And Matt stayed behind at a gateway not far from Tarvalon. The dagger is still in Tarvalon. Tom, please, oh, please, oh, please, just cannot be dead. Wait, the dagger is still in Tarvalon. Mm-hmm. Fane has the dagger. Does he? How does he have the dagger? Did I miss something? Is that not the dagger that he killed people with in the throne room? Oh, it's a very real possibility, and I just missed it. There was a ruby on it, I thought. Okay. You're probably right. Let me look it up really quick. Hold on. Sure, yeah. 
Like, I figured once Moraine and Lan had it. Oh! Well, if Lyandrin's a dark friend and somehow found out, then she could have handed the dagger over to Fane. Yes, that's it. That's it. I bet that's what Leandrin. happened. Blame yeah. Leandrin. When in doubt. <laughs> when in doubt. Leandrin's the way out. <laughs> yeah. I'm so clever. <laughs> I'm so dumb. Whoa. Oh, no. So are we going to have a corrupted loyal? Because that's really funny <gasps> to me. <laughs> Dark Ogier. Ooh. Are there Dark Friend Ogier? I don't... I he can't. just starts telling them the wrong information very <laughs> long-windedly on purpose. <laughs> That's how Ogier fucks shit up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they mess with the information. So that is a big difference from the books as well. We don't have the ruby-hilted dagger pretty much like smoking and burning things. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of that dark friend outside of mm-hmm. wherever that Matt tries to slash at and he mm-hmm. hits uh, like one of the load bearing beams I think in a barn mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it starts to yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe that was one of those little CGI things that they decided to cut and be like Could we be. need to put this someplace else like, mm-hmm. I feel like I want to give season one like a bit of a pass <laughs> They had a lot of problems that were out of their control, really. Mm-hmm. But the sets are great. The costumes and designs for them were fantastic. There's some really superb acting in the show. Like, there's so much that's there that can be built on that I feel like with all of the obstacles that they had to overcome, my book... I'm still happy with it. I'm happy it's been brought to screen. I'm happy that it's going to continue, that it's going to keep moving forward with the story because the story just gets better. And it would be so sad if something happened where it was like, oh, we didn't perform as well as we wanted to, so just going to cancel season one. Well, I think they had already greenlit season two before Mm -hmm. they... Mm-hmm. had aired season one so hadn't they greenlit season three too i have seen that season three is a go but it wasn't a it wasn't like a specific announcement by amazon mm. so i'm still a little bit leery mm-hmm. i could be wrong if someone knows mm-hmm. if it's a definite yes let us know I just wanted to say, after talking to Andre, I feel like the show is in very good hands. <laughs> he he did make it sound as if we would be getting more. So mm-hmm. that's all I want. I want more. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. What do you think Perrin's trajectory will be like? Because out of all of the characters, I feel like he's the one who really didn't have much to do or say the entire Mm -hmm. first season Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a really hard one and I think partially because we are given so little about him and everything that we are given is kind of like a question mark at the end of it so 
Wolves hang out near him and his eyes sometimes turn yellow. But what does that mean? Is it a good mm-hmm. thing? Is it a bad thing? He killed his wife. That sucks. So emotional trauma mm-hmm. for him. And apparently he's also in love with Egwene, who will now think that Rand is dead. Both of them will think that Rand is dead. So what does that mean for their relationship? It does parents suddenly like decide he wants to go for Egwene? Well, she's going to the tower, I would assume. Yeah, it so. wasn't stopping Rand. He was like, now I'll be there. I'll be your warder. I can't see Perrin offering to be a Gween's warder. But I also never really saw that Perrin could have been in love with a Gween as well. It just never even occurred to me, you know? There's moments in the books that some people thought that they had a thing for each other. Mm. I was never one of those people. Mm-mm. I always saw it as a kinship but not anything Ooh, romantic that's a really good word for it too because it's not it's not just friendship and it doesn't feel brotherly sisterly but it does still feel close mm-hmm. so yeah i think that that's that's what i always felt from the for them from them there's that chapter where he's about ready to mercy kill her during that raven attack mm-hmm when he and Elias are being chased by mm-hmm. that giant, massive flock of ravens that had just de-skinned a fox to its bare bones. You're just reminding think- me how awesome the books are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's feeling all of these emotions for her. Mm-hmm. And thinking about, like, I love her. It doesn't say, like, I'm in love with her. Mm -hmm. But, like, this would be a mercy for someone that I care so deeply about. Mm -hmm. Which I think I... Okay, I don't know how I would feel. I've never been in that situation. (laughs) Neither have I, oddly enough. (laughs) Yeah, that was was a very emotional moment for him. So Mm -hmm. I don't think that that was, like, see, that shows that they were in love. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I never I never thought about that. Like I would I would almost think that any person who feels for other people in a situation where they may be horribly mutilated and murdered that you would potentially consider should this person just like have a quick out or should mm-hmm. I let this other thing happen? I don't necessarily think that that indicates I'm in love with this person he probably would have considered doing the same thing to Elias if he knew that Elias wouldn't have like pulled a knife on himself, you know? So I just, okay, we could get, okay. So we could get a Tom and Matt. Mm -hmm. They could bring in Elias for season two. Ooh. Ooh. Or have Gull show up. I want to see Elias. I think that would make more sense because Mm -hmm. if Gull shows up, yeah, I think Gall and Fael being introduced kind of at the same time makes more sense. But I don't well, know. They're, they could do anything, really. Mm-hmm. And I think I think enough of a mystery has been left around Perrin's wolf connection, yellow eye connection, that giving him a mentor in this particular mm-hmm. moment would be a really good thing to do. I think it's necessary with Perrin's character. He Mm -hmm. can't be alone on the road with... And he shouldn't be. I mean, think about it. He's going to be mourning 
I mean, I know you're thinking about it, and I don't have to tell you to do that. But <laughs> I, I meant, I meant for like entertainment purposes, yeah. not even as character development purposes. Yeah. Because okay. He can't be sad or angsty for the remainder of season two without anyone there kind of like pushing him in another direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't take that. <laughs> no, and I think- And I love Marcus. Like he's great. So that's why give I this see- man something. Yes. Please. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Give me more of him. I will be really happy. I think we had kind of touched on maybe Perrin's next step will be self-growth, self-improvement, grief for the people he has lost. I feel as though grief and death are things that just get glossed over too easily in a lot of cases. And I feel if it were handled and talked about the right way, maybe parent through Elias and whatnot, like Elias walked away from his water bond with his Aes Sedai. So he may not have lost a wife the way that parent lost a wife. There will be a connection there, though, over losing someone you loved or at least had intense feelings around. Yeah. I would like it to be believable. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, do you have any specific regrets around the season around the season mm-hmm. is that a big question or it is it is the only thing that I think is a little bit worrisome for me is being able to cram all of the character development in in such a short amount of time mm-hmm. and what does it mean for characters that we may or may not see so I think the Wheel of Time is its an even bigger story than just about our Taviran mm-hmm. or Egwene and Nynaeve and Lan and Moraine. There are some huge characters that play pretty small roles here and there. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they do that mm-hmm. when I'm not sure in season one we've been afforded enough time to really grow to love certain characters Mm -hmm. or really understand their inner workings. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. And it's not really a regret because I still enjoyed the season. Mm -hmm. I just think that having this ensemble cast Mm -hmm. made it really, really hard for Mm -hmm. me to kind of have that emotional attachment to certain characters. Yeah. No, I, f- I feel that as well. The only way that they could really change anything is having more time, like more episodes, mm-hmm. and possibly not bouncing around as much. Mm-hmm. So instead of it going between like four groups in an episode where mm-hmm. it's like Gwen, and then go to Matt and Rand and then go to the White Cloak camp where you're split again between mm-hmm. Nynaeve and Lan moments or the Aes Sedai moments. It's a lot of bouncing around. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, that usually works out okay. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the characters that we've spent the most time with, Nynaeve, Moraine, 
and their stories are mm-hmm. the ones that I'm more attached to at the moment because I've gotten more time with them. Mm-hmm. Rand the least because he was saved as the mystery character. Mm-hmm. So I think that it helped his reveal be more interesting, but it also hurt people with really attaching to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been watching the second season of The Witcher, and mm-hmm. I like it better than the first season. It's okay. In some ways, it's making me think a lot about like what you're saying right now with like the bouncing around in the Wheel of Time. They do the same thing in The Witcher, just with different time periods, but it's so confusing until you go back and watch it again if you're willing to. And Really? I'm, I Are you talking about season one or two? Season one. Season one, okay. they did a lot of the bouncing around, like this time zone here, this, or not the time, time zone, jump, but yeah. like, yeah, I felt like it just, it wasn't really well explained. It took me time to figure it out anyway. So, mm-hmm. I mean, not always the brightest. So that could be part of it too. No, I, it was a really, it's been a really, really long time since I watched season one, but I remember thinking the same thing. And as soon as it clicked, I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then everything was fine. Yeah. And I feel I feel the second season really is so much smoother. There are definitely things that I'm kind of like, it's not perfect, but I do think it's an improvement on the first season. And I feel that Wheel of Time, given the space will do the same thing and build off of what they've started with the first season. Well, I think it's much easier to do The Witcher. You're, season two, they're focusing on three characters. It's Yen, Geralt, and... Siri. Siri. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is there for their story, you know, like, to mm-hmm. help with the story. Yeah. So, I mean... And for the most part, they're all together, mm-hmm. like more or less. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just maybe like two are together and then one on the outside. And yeah, so it's it's kind of a little bit easier to film in that sense because That's you don't point. have to bounce around mm-hmm. from a lot of different characters. There's I'm not going to talk too much about it because I don't want to. Pe- some people might not have seen the second season. Mm-hmm. so. It's a lot different, and I think this is the big, big question mark with the Wheel of Time. How are you going to fall in love with a character mm-hmm. who says maybe 50 words compared to a character who has hours of dialogue? Yes, <laughs> so. yes. And that that's also book-to-TV show. We spend so much more time with our characters in the books. I mean, of course, that can't be helped when the books are like over 600 pages each. And that doesn't easily translate into eight episodes, each an hour-ish long. So we are getting robbed in a lot of ways of that, that time with our characters that we actually really need to have to sustain us through a 14 book series. I think that might be one of the things that people are feeling a bit jaded about mm-hmm. with the last episode, because you're, you're, you're waiting to have these big 
moments of connection Mm -hmm. to these characters, whether it be done verbally through dialogue or through acting and emotion or maybe fighting because Mm -hmm. we know our characters. We know Matt as the gambler, the trickster, and he was gone. So that's like one, you know, one knife wound to the heart. Absolutely. Rand, they had to wait for the big reveal. So we didn't really get to see too much from his point of view. Mm -hmm. So people who love Rand kind of were like, oh, my -hmm. my poor baby Rand. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) what's going on with him? And then I feel like maybe Nynaeve and Lan lovers might be the only group that got a little bit of satisfaction this season. Yeah. Where, like, you got, like, a lot to really work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see who else. Moraine, Rosamund Pike did amazing. I feel like people that love Moraine would be pretty satisfied. Mm-hmm. That it takes Parents. such a, a Moraine-centric point of view. Yeah. Yeah, Perrin, I feel, was one of those that I've just been missing. Yeah, and he's not even one of my favorite characters, but I still feel as though Mm -hmm. with Matt going away and Perrin being Perrin, I feel like we really don't have a lot with our three three dudes from the two Mm -hmm. rivers. And sad face, sad face. But look how much time... Look how little time we spent with Tom. <laughs> like. That's true. And I was I was actually thinking about that. He only shows up for two episodes. And I was trying to solace myself by saying that that's at least a fourth of the season. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah. But would I have liked more of him? Yes. Do I feel they introduced him and his badassery well i do yeah i i think we were given two really solid tom is a badass moment yeah yeah Yeah. i think i also felt more connection and understanding the side of the shadow Mm, yes on the tv show versus the books yes yep ishamayel was just charming charming interesting yep well dressed very well dressed sharp sharp looking dude dana i understood her i understood what where she was coming from what motivated her yeah other dark friends in the books i'm like so what's your deal yeah like why that makes me hopeful Mm -hmm. that when we get varen maybe we will get more of her backstory, mm-hmm. something that they will invent for her. Because in the books, it's so completely vague. Mm-hmm. You don't know if she started out just being interested in, like, translating old prophecies, mm-hmm. maybe in Trolloc tongue mm-hmm. script or something, and somehow got in over her head and had to pretend to be a dark friend to get out of a situation where it was just like, oops, now I'm stuck here. Mm -hmm. We don't know if there was actually something that she was interested in Mm -hmm. and then decided once she was in it, like, I don't want to be a dark friend anymore and does her kind of double cross on the shadow. Yeah, yeah. We have no idea. Mm -mm. We have no clue. Nope. 
but it so, sure would be fun. Wouldn't that be, though? Wouldn't yes. it be great to get some Varen backstory at yep. some point? Even if it's, I mean, it's just fan fiction at this point, but I don't care. Don't care. I think that is one of the most interesting question marks in the Wheel of Time. I would love it. I want to see something about her getting kicked out of farmatting. I'm just really interested to see farmatting. Yes. For some reason in the books, farmatting felt like a fever dream where I read these chapters and I was like, this is just all so bizarre for some reason. But yes. I loved it. I don't know. Like, I for some reason, it's just kind of out there. And I, I like remember it. feeling the same way. Yeah. Where I was like, what is what is happening here? It was so his many... own total side plot. Yep. It really wasn't necessary, nope. but it was there. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, and now we're cleansing the taint on Sidene. Yeah. So it just like, it happens. It was like, so that was there. Yeah. It, <laughs> when, I, when I read it the first time, I was really put off by it because I felt like it was going nowhere. Nowhere? Yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't understand why you're here. I don't know what you're doing. What is happening? That was so much of me through so much of Farmatting. Yeah. Yeah. Reading through it the the next time. Being told so often how much the series improved past that point was like what I needed so I could keep moving forward. I do want to say I think that I adored every moment that we had with our Faldaran soldiers Mm. and our our Shinaran cast. I think those were my favorites. Uno. Uno coming out. like Yakota, Aglamar, so Amalisa. I loved them all. Also, I rewatched the scene with Aglamar. I can't say for sure that he is dead. Okay. I'd be okay with that. I would definitely be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Are we pretty sure Amalisa's dead, though? Unless Egwene accidentally, magically healed her as well. She just walked and around. And didn't see it. Yeah. Killed everyone. Yes. Yeah. Lazarus. Everyone. <laughs> I I was very happy to see that the ending was more or less what I hoped it would be. Like, I really wanted the Sean Chen to be the last thing that we ended on with episode one. And they did. We called that, Tracy. We totally called that. We should be writing for you. Episode four, we said that's what the last scene of the Mm -hmm. TV show was going to be. And it was, but it. (laughs) I'm kind of speechless around this because it felt it felt like overkill. Are you talking about the Sean Shen like title wave for an empty coastline? Let's talk talk about this title wave, shall we? One tiny girl. You killed one (laughs) tiny girl. Hello friends, it's time for a new ad. There's so much happening in the Wheel of Time world and we have opportunities for you to help us continue to create quality Wheel of Time content. If you would like to help, rate us wherever you listen. This helps other people find the podcast. You can also join us on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. Help create the show by joining us on Patreon. We have four different tiers with perks ranging from shoutouts to bonus content to merch not found in our Threadless store. 
Speaking of the Threadless Shop, it's absolutely bursting with beautiful Wheel of Time designs and various items to put them on. Need a Wolf Brother t-shirt? It's there. A first sister pin to send to your bestie? We've got them. How about a White Tower Dropout sweatshirt? You know Amber made one. The point is, we love the Wheel of Time. You love the Wheel of Time. Go get some merch that shows it. You can find links for Patreon and our Threadless shop in our show notes. One last thing. You guys are the best. Your support means the world to us. Thank you for being the amazing people, humans, sentient creatures that you are and keeping us company on the road to Tarvalin. <laughs> what the uh, fuck? Yeah. I've been trying to think about this. Okay, the title weave title wave makes sense if they would just kind of want to flatline the coast and like yeah. park their ships in the middle of God knows where. <laughs> There's no place for us to park. Create it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if the tide goes in, the tide must come, come out. out. It'll pull the ships back out. Yep. So what is the point? And a whole bunch of fucking debris. It'll destroy their ships, most likely. What's wh- why? Why would you do that? I, I, that was one of these. Oh, I this, just it just sense free. It it doesn't make a lot of sense. Besides showing the cameras, showing the viewers, these people are powerful. Yeah, it didn't make much logical. No narrative. I I would have I would have loved to have just seen them lined up like that huge armada of ships all lined up off the coast of Falmay and have like some sort of dark storm rolling into Falmay as a city and leave it there like leave everything else would, up ooh. to the imagination because you that know That would have been Perfect. That would have been very interesting. Why? Just having a storm roll up or right? maybe like or a storm behind and then like yeah. the wind yeah. propelling them forward. Yeah. They are the storm that is coming. I prefer that. I like it. That's right? a great idea. Love it. To, I mean, Love it. Tearing down one tiny girl is like pointless and stupid. Showing a force that's about to descend on... A relatively large town like Falmay, maybe even make it so that people are like coming out into the streets to see what's going on. Looking up at the yeah. sky. Yeah. Like, at like a black sky. Something is happening and mm-hmm. done. Why that am been I not cool. writing for them yet? That I'm just going to cool. start sending them our podcast. Maybe CGI Tidal Wave was cheaper Less than CGI than Storm. Storm. I don't know. But back to the Sean Chen. I actually think that that shot of the ships rolling in might have been my favorite, like, cinematic piece, like, scene it was really from cool. episode eight. Mm-hmm. I quite liked it. It reminded me of the ship, this red sail, kind of mm. looked like a caterpillar or something, Ooh. like some of these, like, Mm-hmm. fuzzy caterpillar tails that are kind of like in poisonous colors like don't eat me you Ooh, know yeah 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 and i think too they had kind of these like plated that almost looked like a bone mm-hmm. on the ships like these 
like fossil, like dinosaur-esque. Mm, okay. I'll have to look at them more closely next time. Yeah, it looked like 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 ivory or mm. something. The costumes for the soldiers were legit. I loved them. The they soldiers were so good. They were awesome. Yep. They looked nightmarish in a way that I was hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things that fit my headcanon really well. I'm not quite sure about the face paint. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay. I'd, I'd have to see it more close up, maybe. Do you think they'll use that as opposed to, like, the hair? Like, you know how in... The uh, shaved heads and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, and, like, the the way that, like, certain fingernails are longer and painted and whatnot. Like, it's kind of hard to see that versus... I mean, not necessarily the hair, but the fingernails and stuff versus, like, how a person's face is painted. And it's is it possible. paint or do you think it's tattooed? It looked like paint. But as I you're agree. saying this, I'm guessing it's probably supposed to be tattooed. Well, I'm just thinking for a Sildam and a Domine, it would make sense to tattoo them. There's no way to get away, run away, hide if your face is tattooed. Unless you become an Aiel and just constantly well, those run were around Well, the, the ones with the tattoos were the Soldom, mm-hmm. not the Domine. Okay, did they just have, like, the mouth covering? Did they not have yeah. any, like, face? Okay. For some odd reason in my head, I had imagined face things on them as well, but it was probably just that weird, which reminded me of Handmaid's Tale. I like the, okay, I like the look of the face cover thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think that, it doesn't bother me in any way. I think it looks okay. Mm -hmm. The only thing I think that it, where it's not a very smart idea is if you're an actor that you're paying a lot of money to be on screen, mm-hmm. has their mouth covered, mm-hmm. how do they talk and say their lines? Mm-hmm. So if we have the plot line where Egwene is captured, she's not going to have very many lines that season, mm-hmm. which is not good for her character development. Well, and I'm also thinking of the other characters that yeah like eventually become domine in some way ha huh. good point it's why like a lot of tv shows don't put their warriors in helmets yeah like you don't want to cover the face of the actor you're paying so many million dollars you know <laughs> to for their be there. face yeah exactly yeah you want your actor to be able to say their lines so i think the collar would have been a much better option right but maybe this is just like a war party type situation where like they Mm. have a different whole get up different outfits maybe different and who knows with this being the short flash that it was maybe it'll be very different season two so they could make adjustments and alterations and be like this just didn't quite feel right and then we, right. as people who are willing to suspend belief, we roll with it. <laughs> yeah. Especially if it's better. I'm okay with that. 
I think that was cool, though. I really I liked agree. them rolling in. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, wish it would have been yeah. a, a little bit different. A little bit different. Just Even if it would have been... it a little bit. Yeah, destroy some dude's crops. Like, just make it effective. Like, it just didn't... It just... I'm thinking Jurassic Park. I'm thinking The Expanse. <laughs> like, I'm thinking all of these other things that have kind of used this exact same thing. And I'm like, couldn't you have, like... Just tweak it a little bit to make it less... Are you not paying your writers enough? Like... <laughs> Pay them more. I want better ideas. They said they wanted it to feel like, you know, Europeans coming over to, like, colonize a nation. Like, what what would be your point of view if you were a like local a on the beach? Yeah. Looking out into this sea and seeing this line of ships that you have no idea, like, what the heck am I looking at? And to that point, I think they like mission accomplished like yeah. i think if that's what they were going for they did a, they did it well right but but <laughs> yes please please i want to know it's hard just re i just did a, an expanse like rewatch so that scene is very clear in my head yeah marco throwing the rocks at earth we've got yep. our nice little fisherman doot to do catching <laughs> feeding the fish just with his little fish viewfinder and then he looks up at the sky, and then it's like, oh, shit. And then it's like tidal wave, yeah. the end. Mm-hmm. And I just think that, especially when it's two Amazon shows, you might want to, like... Change it up a bit. This isn't the BBC, guys. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I just watch way too much television, so... Meh. I don't know. Meh. Meh. You watch good television, there's a difference. (laughs) Or is there? Not really. Doesn't matter. Whatever makes you happy. It's really what it comes down to. Let's see here. I really want to see more Tam. I really want to see more of... (gasps) Flashbacks. I want to see more flashbacks. I want to see... That was one thing that was implemented really well, these cold open flashbacks, because it wasn't confusing because Mm -mm. every episode, if you get a cold open, then you can kind of expect like, okay, this was like a different time. Yeah. Or this is this is exposition. This is stuff you need to know that may not necessarily be like right now. Our dragon mount flashback was probably the best. The the one with Luz Theron talking to Latra, or oh no no the Tigrain one, mm-hmm. and that's that's what actually what I was going to say is that I would like to see some form of her journey from daughter heir to her moment on Dragon Mount and what that entailed to at least some extent. Do you know what I just realized? Mm. For the most part, every single cold open was my favorite scene of the episode. (laughs) Interesting. Let's see here. The first one was okay. This was where they introduced the Red Aja. Mm -hmm. They were chasing down that one guy. Mm -hmm. What was the second one? Do you remember? 
Oh, oh, oh. The one was Nynaeve taking out the Trolloc in the... Yeah, in the pool. That was the opening of episode three. three. Yes. What was the cold open of episode two? I can't think of it. I'm opening it. Oh, it was the White Cloaks. Another good. That was another good one. That, that was, was another super really good solid. One. I liked that yeah. one a lot. I can't believe I forgot about it. I think probably because that one felt more tied into the actual timeline than a lot mm-hmm. of the other cold opens did. Yeah, like the I've gone back and rewatched the scene where Eamon Valda picks up the severed hands to like take the ring off, and. This is this is just how much I like creepy details. The way that the fingers move as he does that is <laughs> it's so believable. It's so realistic. It's almost like it's still attached to someone. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like Ah, he chopped off her hands and then he burned her alive. Wow. Do you think we'll get more white cloaks in season two? Yes. I want to say they play too much of a role, but at the same time, they're kind of a pawn in the story. Like, they're moved to where they're needed, and they contain certain characters who have certain Mm -hmm. personalities or beliefs or things that we need to further the story. And don't we have, like, the Caradon, Bornhald, everything happening in The Great Hunt, and the White Cloaks end up, like, part of the battle on Falme as well? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we'll see more. You know, it would be awesome. I'm just thinking about this. Please. I do not want the Battle of Falma to be the finale of Mm-mm. season two. Mm-mm. They better put that smack in the middle. Yep. I feel the same way. They need to expedite some things yep. and kind of give us peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. Yes. That was the thing with this season. Like, we've got some, like, high moments, mm-hmm. but no big all of our characters working together battle mm-hmm. moments. Which happens, like, at the end of book one. I love the ending of book one. I don't know if I've ever said that before. It's, it's, whack, it's wackadoodle weirdness, it but is. it's still fun but looking (laughs) looking back at it comparatively to what happened in the tv show like the tv show version felt so stark and it was just lacking it was lacking and there was no Mm -hmm. other than our moment with Nynaeve and Lan there's really no upside of joy or hope before everything goes down and the green man just played like this really. He had this like, eth- yeah, this ethereal quality to him yeah. that was kind of needed for the balance. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. We- there wasn't a lot of balance in episode mm-hmm. eight for as much talk of balance that the show is supposed to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, that's I think that might be a little bit why. It was a little bit jarring for some people because Rand was on his own with Moraine. Mm-hmm. Perrin was off doing his digging. Yeah. Matt wasn't there, which that couldn't be avoided. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't count. Mm-hmm. 
Egwene and Nynaeve were on their own thing, but mm-hmm. isn't kind of the story about how they have to work together and kind of be... Yeah. If anything, I feel like by the end of Eye of the World, despite the shifts in relationships and the personal growth and devastation that they've all been through, I feel like they're a tighter-knit group by the end of Eye of the World. And on this one, I don't feel like they're really a group at all. And Well, they've been separated the whole time. They get back together, and now they're separated again. Well, and when they do get back together, they're bickering at each other. Nynaeve says, says what she says, and then Perrin and Rand have their thing. And, of course, everybody, like, kind of comes to yeah. a, a place where they're all in agreement again later on. But it's still... It doesn't do anything to make me feel like they are closer to each other or that they are going to be looking out for each other in the way that they do at the end of book one. So at this point, they're probably like, thank goodness Rand is dead. One less complication. (laughs) (laughs) Nynaeve is like, thank goodness. Oh, wait, someone has to tell Tam. (gasps) Someone has to tell Tam. That's what I'm saying. I want I want more Tam. Like, what's going on in the two rivers? What? Do, where do they think all their children are at? Like, I'm I'm speechless again. I'm speechless again. Who's gonna tell Tam? How's Tam gonna find nope. out? Nobody. <sighs> so Moraine's not gonna go there <laughs> again. <laughs> again. Land's like, where to? The two rivers. He rolls his eyes hard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's some more to veer and we can exploit. <laughs> Moray, didn't we cause enough damage the first time? <laughs> oh, that's so funny and terrible. Can you imagine what would happen if they roll up in the two rivers and try and recruit Matt's little sisters? Oh, God. Because Bonewen, Bodwin mm-hmm. in the books mm-hmm. ends up at the tower. Yep. Yeah. I don't think Matt would like that too much. No, it's Rand who runs into them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because and they Baron... find out he's the dragon reborn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Awkward. <laughs> oh, I just remembered that scene. God, the books are so good. Because mm. that's right when, that's right around the same time that Alana bonds him. I... It is. It is. Yeah. It is. Are we going to get... The Alana bonding Rand. I hope so. I do. And also, she already has one warder. So, like, is he going to share that bond with her other warder? Like, well, she has is two, Rand going to? One of them dies. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's right. I am. Oh, I'm sad. Like, I've never heard this before. <laughs> <laughs> I've just forgotten. Yeah, in the book. Mm-hmm. So she has one warder. Yeah, so I mean, is is he gonna share? Is he gonna be <laughs> like we don't need we don't need Elaine <laughs> or Avienda? We'll just have Rand and this couple from now on. I'm down. Rand, Yvonne, Alana. Uh-huh. I feel like uh-huh. he could get some nice life lessons there. That feels like a choose-your-own-adventure book I'd like to be a part of. (laughs) (laughs) Someone. Fan fiction. Yeah. Make it happen. (laughs) What an interesting change that would be. So 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was trying to remember what happened to the Randallana bond by, like, the end of the books. I got there. I got there. You got there. <laughs> Sometimes it takes yeah. a minute. Um, I want to do a bunch of 101s. But, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do a Lyandran episode more than I've ever wanted to do one before. Her. I would still really like to cover Shinar and maybe do yes. more nations. Yes. Yes. I feel as though that's one of the things that have kind of gotten, like, put on the back burner. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to do the Borderlands. Like, all yeah, of them. Yeah, and to our listeners, I had things prepared. I wanted to do a big Shinar episode, but we were... We tried new software, and it, <laughs> we probably lost about five hours oh. worth of content, so Easy. we are very sorry. Easy. Easy. That's... If you think you're disappointed. Right. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Episode six has left me permanently scarred. <laughs> yes. Yes. Indeed. I may never be able to watch that one again. Um, <laughs> that's not true. It's a really good episode. I just want to do more 101s. And people that are listening, if there's maybe one of our Westlands 101s that you would like us to do, mm-hmm. tell us. Please. Patrons, patrons who are listening, tell us. Mm-hmm. You get the first choice anyways. Maybe we'll put up a post later asking. We'll, maybe we can give a couple options and let you guys pick. Ooh, I like that idea. And we will be getting back to the Great Hunt. Finally! <gasps> I'm so excited! Where were we? Do you remember? Were we just I at- say chapter, like, 16, maybe? We'd already had Celine show up, right? No, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And for people that are new listeners who maybe just, like, joined us yeah. during the show season, we do a lot of sp- Spoiler free yes. spoiler episodes. So we usually kind of break our episodes down the middle. Mm-hmm. So there should be a little bit for everyone. I do think, though, on our chapter recap rereads, mm-hmm. we are going to be scaling back the recapping mm-hmm. just a little bit mm-hmm. because we're not as entertaining as. Michael Kramer and Kate Redding. You don't want someone to just reread the chapters to you. Maybe you do. I I don't know. Who knows? If you like that, let us know. Yeah. Tell us. Give us your input. It's been a while. Yeah. It's always, it's, I mean, it feels really good to be back on podcast and podcast scheduling and we'll be having guests coming up soon too. We have some ideas of people that we want to Come join us and a schedule to look over and create that I'm really excited about because it just feels, I mean, as much fun as the, like the season was, I'm like, oh, back to a book. I love books. (laughs) It'll be nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is perfect timing for the great hunt Mm -hmm. because of where the episode's where the season leaves us. Yeah, that's a good point. So we kind of just plopped right down there at the perfect, perfect part ending. where we should be for pre-season two stuff. Taviran. Oh, there was also new cast people. <gasps> Were there who? Who, who, who? It is a possible land fear, <gasps> I feel. So 
This is coming from Watt Series. If anyone doesn't know who they are, they, they've got the goods. Go look them up. So we've got Melissa James, Jessica Boone, Isaiah Hodges, and Carmina McAdams. Now, Melissa James is a British actress, and she'll be probably playing Nynaeve's mother. Just because of the first name, Elnor, so that, that's what they're going on. Okay. So it'll probably be another cold open, maybe, mm-hmm. little baby naive. Then we've got Jessica Boone, who is actually Uno's wife, IRL, in real life. Really? And she's another character actress based out of Prague. And she's been a couple things, so it's not for certain. It might just be a small role. Can't really say. Then we have Isaiah Hodges, who is another stuntman, and he's from the U.S., but based out of Paris. Okay. And he he was actually in the TV show Emily in Paris. Oh, oh. sorry, buddy. Oh. <laughs> I have not and will not will watch not. that show <laughs> ever. I've only watched someone ever. like tweet ranting about how pretty much racist it is. Oh, okay, like, good. Yeah. Based at the whole French culture. Yep. I'm as as an American, I apologize right, yeah. for that. We're not all like that. No. We're not. <laughs> And then Carmina McAdams is who you want to look up. Look up Carmina McAdams. Carmina with a K. McAdams. And look her up from Vikings. And look at the costumes that she's in and how legit she looks. Can you give me her last name again? McAdams. M-C-A-D-A-M. For some odd reason, my um, autocorrect went to ketamine. And I had to delete it out. Why? Ooh. She's gorgeous. So I could definitely I could definitely see her filling a few roles. Okay. Do, does she give you Lanfear vibes, Tracy? I haven't quite decided yet. Okay, in this photo, yes. Yeah, she has more than a few photos that I would say have Lanfear vibes. More so than the woman that I think is playing Elida. Who is the woman that you think is playing Elida? The one that was from Peaky Blinders. Okay. Natasha O'Keefe. She just, Natasha O'Keefe looks like she could squash you like a bug. I love that. But I think we're going to get Elida specifically for the fact that last episode, we had Moraine giving us that little bit of an info dump on the woman who beat her as a novice. I was worried that accepted yeah i was kind of worried after watching that they were actually going to say like when it was revealed who it was that it was actually going to be landron because she doesn't say well, i'm a glad name. that didn't happen i know right like i'm hoping that that's not the direction that they take and it doesn't seem like it especially with like these these actresses that you've pointed out as being like possible elida candidates like i want elida i want her like, she's necessary. Yes. She's absolutely necessary. 
But I think that just her setting setting us up with that mention of a character who has done this. Yep. I think that means that we will get Elida. Mm-hmm. And for people that have no idea what the hell we are talking about, <laughs> in New Spring, Elida beats the crap out of Moraine and Swan. Mm-hmm. So it's during their... It's right before their test mm-hmm. for the shawl. Yep. And she's... She's helping them. Yes. She's she, helping she, she's, them. That's what she says. She wants to help them, which I always interpreted as she wants to help them because she knows she can inflict pain on them by doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's not technically a lie. Yeah. But it's bad enough that the... Mistress of Novices gets involved and, like, calls Elida out on it and is like, nope. Elida is punished severely for it. Mm -hmm. So I think, oh, what a cold open that would make. My, oh, my, oh, my. (laughs) There are so many possibilities. I'm just really excited. Amazon, yeah, make it happen. And on that note. I'm good to go. Okay, thanks for listening to us for our wrap-up of The Wheel of Time Season 1, and we'll be back next week. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content, correct us, send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.